so can you hammer a four inch spike through a board with your penis or do you know someone who can i hope so because uh, we're talking about the 1985 comedy real genius today on late to the party i'm matt i have with me uh, as always west and sydney and before we talk about this movie i discovered something about myself through the course of watching this movie again and that i'm tracking my romantic proclivity for short-haired brunette nerd girls so i'm wondering for each of you what was your first either pop culture crush or your pop culture type early on from your life I'm so glad you asked, Matt, because when you brought up the question, I thought I didn't really start to get into any kind of pop culture until I was honestly like 11 or 12. And I was going to say my first celebrity crush was Selena Gomez, but I was mistaken. Delving a little bit more into the depths of my memories, it was made very apparent to me my very first celebrity crush was Jaleel White as Steve Urkel as Stefan Urkel. And that was an awakening for me. That's a good one. And that, I think, has also carried on into my my adult life. I love nerds. But nerds, they're so so fun and lovable and weird and shit. I just love those quirky, quirky boys. I'm on board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Stefan's best of both Stefan was gorgeous. (laughs) I have a vivid memory of me being like nine years old in the snow writing Jaleel White's name into the snow with my finger and just like a little heart underneath and I'm like oh someday we'll meet and I'll be 11 probably and we'll just fall in love. That's how this thing works. Yeah that's how it works. See I have a couple here because I was you know all about the boys back then and uh, my first one was a good old Devin Sawa from the live action Casper movie with Christina Ritchie where he comes out at the end, and he's Casper, but he's all fleshy now. Fleshy. He's a boy. Really really good (laughs) word for that, a fleshy boy. Indeed. Because, like, they they made a point about it where he's like, what does that boy have that I don't? And she's like, flesh. And he's like, oh, he got me there. That hurts. It does. It does. And so he came out, he finally has flesh, and he's looking all handsome, and he's in like a pirate costume, I think, or like some kind of puffy sleeve thing. Mm -hmm. And they're dancing, and like they start floating and dancing, and I was like, how romantic. Now, did the pirate costume play any part in this? Because you do currently do scary haunted house stuff, and I do have, I remember seeing a picture of you as a pirate, and I'm just wanting to know, is there any kind of correlation for that? Pirates are very handsome in movies, not in history. (laughs) It's an important distinction. In in movies, yes. I don't think so. They were having a costume party during the film, Mm. but I don't know if I have a direct attraction to pirates. I I would probably need a few more examples. I mean, Johnny Depp, you know. Okay, there's of Orlando, um, Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Oh right. gosh, I'm seeing a theme here. There's a trend. <laughs> There's a trend. Uh, Matthew Modine from Cutthroat Island. Yep. And that actually links into my other crush here. And that'll be um, Jeremy Sumter. I think I'm saying that right. And he was the live action Peter Pan. And he fought pirates. Oh. So I don't know. There might be something there with pirates. Well, so this makes one of your your first celebrity crushes, Devin Sawa. So you've got both crush and first R-rated movie from Final Destination. I think Mm -hmm. it's destiny. It's, It's going on. We're meant to be. 
Honestly. I discovered while watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, mm-hmm. Jordan's really cute, it, mm-hmm. even despite her quirks. I mean, I've married a short-haired brunette nerdy girl, so it tracks. Who to modern life? <laughs> and all I do now is date improvisers. So That's I a definite guess form it, of nerd. Yeah, That's absolutely. Because yeah. all I really, I'm super into it when all they want to talk about is how the Herald began in the history of improv for some reason. That's just my thing now and I never saw myself being uh, 21 years old and this being my type mm-hmm. when I was 12 and I thought about my type of person I was specifically listing traits I wanted a long haired blonde or brunette didn't discriminate skater boy who had <laughs> and I do remember this distinctly one brown eye and one blue eye that was very important so like to a, set him apart from the rest of the little skater boys. It's like <laughs> that's a what I wanted. Practical Magic, that movie Practical Magic with oh, Sandra Bullock. Uh-huh. She like she made a spell and she's like, it has to have one green eye, one blue eye. Did that and happen in that movie? It happened in that movie. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. <laughs> so we are talking about Real Genius. Came out in 1985. In a nutshell, for those who might not be familiar, Mitch Taylor is a 15 year old genius who is drafted into oh god what's the name of the school pacific it's pacific something because it's modeled after caltech it is modeled after caltech i did to work on the laser that they are developing that you learn from the cigar smoking snickering Mm. government bureaucrats in the beginning that is a secret weapons program the whole thing being there have you either of you ever seen spies like us i have not oh jinx yeah (laughs) Uh, has a very it has a very spies like us feel to it in the mm-hmm. setup, which is another one we might have to talk about at some point. Dan Aykroyd and oh. Chevy Chase oh. are in that one. You know, quite a pair. My favorite thing about Dan Aykroyd is it seems every year his hairline recedes a little bit more until he will fully become a pinhead. Well, and I'm very excited for that. It's probably a correlation to how much of his sanity he has left because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that's going to. It's actually just going to go all the way around, oh. and, gonna, like, <laughs> and then it's going to come back up the chin, uh-huh. and he'll have a nice little goatee. Oh, that's and that's the Dan day. that we'll all know. So he is drafted by Dr. Jerry Hathaway, played by William Atherton, also known as the asshole of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I loved him. In everything. Yeah, he's he's it's it's a weird kind of dual purpose he has in this movie because you don't like him, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you yeah. don't hate him as much as yeah. Chet. He had the best insults, though. They're pretty good. The insults in the movie, though, are what almost took me out of it. Because they said, oh, I wish I'd written them down. There were a couple lines where I was like, is that an insult? Or is this just a bunch of nonsense shit that they're just saying for no reason? Because it's the 80s and you can do that. It's very quick, too. <laughs> there was too. some stuff uh-huh. that just didn't make any sense to me. But I still loved it. Little piece of trivia. So there's the part of the beginning where before he arrives at Caltech, he's talking to the professor who tells him to always, uh, never, never forget. forget. He turns around and bumps into a guy on his way out. Mm-hmm. The guy he bumps into on the way out of that scene is Tom Hanks. I saw that. What? I caught That's that. Tom Hanks? <laughs> I, I was so wrapped up in the why do you say that aspect of the of the scene that I didn't even realize that. See, I I saw that on the IMDb trivia page and I was like, no way that's Tom Hanks. Did so like I scrolled thing. through and I was like I was looking through the cast. He wasn't listed in the cast. So I'm like, I guess I'll just watch the movie again. And it was. Yep. So Mitch goes to Caltech 
where he meets a team of nerds that are working on building a laser that mm-hmm. aren't having the forethought because they're nerds to mm-hmm. imagine what the laser could possibly be for. It's just, it's coulda, not shoulda, mm-hmm. like a lot of science that goes south. Where he meets, among others, Chris Knight, played by Val Kilmer, who is being, I think because this one is technically first, I would call Ryan Reynolds the Chris Knight of the aughts, as opposed Mm -hmm. to Val Kilmer being the Ryan Reynolds of the 80s, necessarily, because credit where credit is due. Absolutely. I I think Ryan Reynolds has successfully parlayed a complete persona and career out of Val Kilmer's performance in this movie. If they ever did a remake of this, which I'm sure will happen in some future, I could see Ryan Reynolds being cast as Chris Knight. 100%. Oh, yeah. So they go and build a laser. We also meet Laszlo, who is living in Chris and Mitch's closet. <laughs> yep. And we meet, uh, oh God, who's the jerk? Kent, who oh, is the asshole who does plenty of nerd-on-nerd crimes. He also never had a last name. They never said his last name, and in the credits, Mm -hmm. he was never given a last name. In fact, I can't even find his character. Oh, he's way down at the bottom of the list of the cast on IMDb. Well, because I'm such a dick. (laughs) IMDb lists them in order of appearance, and so he's one of the last characters to show up, so they list him last. It's also because he was an asshole. There is that. that Put him all the way down. So we can talk about the end of the movie as we get closer to the end. What initial impressions did you have about the movie? It felt like it was patting itself on the back for how smart it was. That didn't take away any of the charm of the movie, but it felt like, oh yes, I'm smart and you know it and now I know it. It was very proud of itself. Hmm. I got that impression of it. I remember reading a review of the movie before I actually started playing it that had a one-star rating on Amazon Prime, because that's what I watched it on, that said that it was so hard to watch they could only watch the first 10 minutes of it, and it would not sit still. And honestly, I didn't see that at all. I thought it had a very appropriately paced opening. I thought the little twist of them not actually blowing up that guy with their little laser beam they was don't have interesting. The laser yet. Yeah, they don't have the laser yet. They were setting it up. I honestly very I was pleasantly surprised after reading all of the one star re- all of the one star reviews on that movie. That's pretty harsh because like the first yeah. five minutes of the movie, like you don't even meet Val Kilmer yeah, until exactly. like ten minutes in. Mm-hmm. They didn't even wait for the good stuff to happen yet. Right, yeah, that's it's worth it. If you sit through all the special effects at the beginning, you get Val Kilmer. You're rewarded with Val Kilmer. Right. That's like poorly reviewing two thousand one because it has too many monkeys. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that you you should have watched the movie a little mm-hmm. longer mm-hmm. than that. You get past the monkeys to Val Kilmer. So did either of you have the experience of living in the dorms in college? I never pursued higher education. Okay. So but I did hang out with some of my improv troupe in high school at their dorms. Okay. So I kind of did. I did not because I went to a community college, okay. but my sister was in a sorority and sometimes I would go over and have sleepovers with her, quote unquote sleepovers, right. where I would mostly just be watching her dogs, you know, <laughs> that I kind of sort of had that dorm life. I wasn't a fan of it. How accurate do you think the dorm life as depicted in Real Genius? So the, the dorm life in Real Genius is uh, everybody's room is in chaos. There is really nerdy graffiti over all of the walls. Mm-hmm. 
in the thing. There's constantly people milling around, people studying all over the place. Now, this is, again, this is supposed to be the, the nerdiest possible place, mm-hmm. but how accurate do you think its portrayal of that is? Not at all. Like, I don't think that it is realistic, but I do think that it could be considered like an idealization of what dorm life would be for a bunch of overworked nerds. Because we see that character, that archetype in Chris Knight specifically of just extremely smart, brilliant person but so not into it anymore because you've been worked so hard that all you want to do is little acts of rebellion, like putting somebody's car in their dorm as a prank. I, stuff like that. That little act of rebellion. That not little just a little smidge <laughs> of just letting loose. So apparently all of the pranks, the car, the ice hallway, all of that was based on stuff that were actual pranks that were done by Caltech students. I'm aware or, of the Or ice. other students at one mm-hmm. point in time. I know that the ice, instead of actual ice, they did like soap instead mm-hmm. so that it would slip and slide, not, you know, ice that just turned straight to gas. Mm-hmm. But I'm I, aware that of would soap. be difficult to pull off for sure. I, though they did it yeah. at one point in time. They even did it for when they did the ice prank in the movie for two weeks, they basically worked in a refrigerator because they installed coolant in the floors and all the thing mm. and then watered it a couple times a day to keep it iced on a regular basis. So they legit made that and as a thing. To, to watch the scene, you wouldn't really think that they'd put that much effort into it because from my perspective watching it, it looked like they dumped a couple of bags of ice on the floor and then the actor's job was to slip and slide around like it was icy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With so some, they like, really didn't machines. have to do as much as they did. But they committed to it. Just some ice. And you would have to admire them for that. They and the same, to the, bit. the same for the popcorn at the end, which we can talk about later. Yes. Uh, oh yes. my God, the popcorn. The end of the movie. <sighs> I'll hold it in. I'll hold it in for right now, but I have a lot of things to say about the end of this movie. Got some thoughts on that. So my experience was that it wasn't necessary. So the only year that I lived in the dorms was my freshman year, which is probably skewed because everybody gets in the dorms in their freshman year and is like, fuck it, we're on our own. So like nobody goes to class. Everybody fails or gets really bad grades. And they just kind of do whatever they want to do as much as they can until reality sets in. Principal difference being that there was less graffiti on the walls. But a lot of the other stuff that was true in terms of people screwing around and they're just kind of being people all over the place was... was generally generally carried Mm -hmm. though maybe not you know we didn't have Val Kilmer so you don't quite have that going for you but you do I mean you do think you're very clever at that age just in general oh absolutely and when you get that first taste of freedom you can run with it to almost a dangerous extent oh definitely yeah and I think that is kind of what we get a taste for in this movie of people just going fucking nuts especially when you're smart because the dumb shit that I did as pranks and rebellion in my youth that I'm still in are not even close to being on the level of the pranks that smart people get to pull off. Like if I were in Caltech... You have not reassembled somebody's car in their room? I haven't figured that one out yet. I would love to tell you about a prank that I did that I'm still very proud of. Please. Well, I have a few of them, actually. But um, my my top... I know, I'm such a prankster. 
My top one was a phone call. We were going through the phone book at a sleepover I was at, and we found the number to a blood bank. So we called up the blood bank and we were like, hello, this is Dracula. <laughs> Do you deliver? And see, if they were at Caltech, this, they simply wouldn't have done that. I know. <laughs> they simply wouldn't have. They would have, like, hacked into the blood bank system or something like that. And taken all their blood. Taken all the blood. <laughs> Speaking of hacking and taking things, there are a bunch of nerd heists in this movie. And a ton of montages. There are at least three different montages. I counted three. I was watching this movie, and while the montages were happening, I spent a good maybe 10 minutes sitting there trying to remember the word montage. I could not figure it out. I even pulled up that website, like, tip of my tongue, and was like, I can't even think of three words that would describe the word that I'm looking for. So that was my struggle mm -hmm. throughout this movie, is trying to remember that word. I've never been to college. No. <laughs> well, and there was a scene in one of the montages that seemed like, because there was dialogue to this part of the montage where Mitch was talking to Chris, and it seems like the only reason it was in it was to show that Val Kilmer can do the coin trick with both hands at the same time. Because he was just doing that through the entire scene. I was impressed by Which, it, now I remember, he does in Top Gun, too, I believe. Probably because they saw him Ice do Man. it. Yeah, because like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, you can do it. They're like, uh, well, if you can just do some cool shit, well, I mean, one. we've got some time to film. That's the only way he got the role. Feature length films in the 80s apparently needed to be ridiculously long, and it didn't even matter how slow or unprogressive some of the scenes were to the story. It just didn't matter. They were just filling time at this point. Oh, yeah, I can Gotta see that. Gotta love them. I also love during the montages, though, you couldn't hear any of the dialogue that they were saying, but you could hear, like, if they were putting a machine in, you could hear the, oh, the, the sound, sound of, for the machine getting put in, but they're just mouthing the words. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. It's easy as you're watching the movie to forget the age difference between Mitch and everybody else. Oh, I didn't forget. I thought that was very apparent the entire time I was watching it. I was like, this kid is 15 years old. I guess his love interest, who was played by Michelle Merrick, was 19. 19. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe it was a different generation and a different decade where that kind of stuff was okay. But if a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old were dating today, red flags. one of them would be put in jail. Red oh, flag. yeah. Well, and like, how old is the nerd fucker from the company that Chris is interviewing with at the mm -hmm. beginning? She's like, I know seven of the, the smartest Yeah, minds. Sherry, uh, what was her name? That was Sherry Nugel, played by Patty Darbinville, I think. She, is that the one who comes in and kisses him in I the movie? I so, yes. yes and that's that the one in a, the end, too, that is with Laszlo. A, grown woman, I believe. Yeah. She is supposed to not even be a student. I think she's a faculty member. Well, I think she's the assistant for the president of the company yeah. that Chris is going to yeah. work for. What was with her character, though? I don't know. What was her purpose? Like, the drive? What was the scene with the kissing? What was that in there for at all? That didn't do anything for the scene. She said she'd been waiting for years. It's like, so you since he was like this kid? Since he was 12, she was like, God, I can't wait three more years. Years and I'm gonna get kiss that little boy like, right on the mouth. Like, and now, like, disgusting. He's still 15. He's still a child. I'm wondering because she does marry Laszlo at the end. Did yeah. she think that he was Laszlo? Because there was low lighting. Maybe it was I just wonder. dark there's, enough. There's a there's a slight height difference between Laszlo and and hair. And, and, uh, and Mitch. Yeah. She could just be very nearsighted. She was wearing glasses at the beginning. Oh, maybe wasn't she's she? Blind. She was very nearsighted. I'm a 
two, I'm pretty sure it's the same person, but I don't. Where's this blonde from? Hopefully, hopefully Am I somebody. To know who this is? I completely forgot about her when the kissing scene happened because I was I thought she was like a mirage or something. So I was like, <laughs> what the hell was that scene about? That was weird. His imaginary girlfriend that he starts to see everywhere until he goes psycho. And He's goes actually schizophrenic. Uh, speaking of kisses, though, the actor who played Mitch, his first kiss was with. The short brown hair girl. That was yeah. his first kiss. Oh, with kid. Jordan. Oh, oh, with Jordan. That's how adorable. cute. How cute yeah. if they weren't four years apart. How yeah. cute would that be? Oh, how that. sweet. His first kiss. He got it on screen. Good for him. So is Jordan is a weird character to some extent. Mm-hmm. Her character archetype is just supposed to be that basket case spastic nerd type. Right. She Maybe. does describe herself as hyperkinetic. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, she's aware of her quirks and all that. At the end of the movie, there is that last scene where it's just a tight cut on the main characters and everyone's cheering for some reason and going, yay, there's all this fucking popcorn around it. us. Oh, we did it. We completed it. They still have the weapon, though. Um, <laughs> no, they blew up the weapon. The, is that what happens? The weapon yeah. only works that's one what, time. It's well, a one-time that's thing? That's what they said, right? Uh, well, no, I think that was part of the sabotage. They made it over, set it up in such a way so that it wouldn't stop working once it did work, and then it just never shut off, so it burned itself up. That mm-hmm. was part of the sabotage that they did when they were on the plane. They hijacked the guidance control system, but they also changed it so that it de- destroyed itself on you. I'm not gonna lie, the science talk in this went over my head oh, like yeah. crazy. Because oh, yeah. you gotta know at least like a little bit of the stuff to, mm-hmm. I guess, understand it. Because I ended up going back and re-watching most of the end of the movie because I thought I had missed something. Because by the end of the movie, I was like, they're just dancing around in popcorn to like a Tears for Fears song. Like they don't still have the weapon of mass destruction. And I had to watch it a couple of times to see if they had did it, but no, okay, that part that part I did miss. I will rescind my statement. The ending of the movie, I, I guess, makes sense that, now. Right? Mm-hmm. But on Jordan's character's part, everyone else is cheering, and she's still doing like some weird fidgety shit with her hands. I think she was and acting super Yeah, and yeah. acting super weird. But between Ali Sheedy from Short Circuit and Michelle Mirrick? Mirrick. Nearing's character from this movie. Yeah, it's uh, nerd girls. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> nerd girls. It's working out. Yeah. Also, Our- what was up with the professor sleeping with the girl who made the penis? Bike thing comment. Yeah. yeah, that's a random. Yeah. That's a random hookup because like there was so no that's, reason for that. Well, right. I guess they didn't have any other blondes that you knew about or any other mm-hmm. females that you knew about that were lying around that you could identify from Just a previous about, scene. Because uh-huh. it's a weird hookup for him to be sleeping with the daughter of uh-huh. one of the government guys who's on the board mm-hmm. for the company that he's working yeah. for to assassinate people too with lasers. And that she, doesn't seem like the brightest. And she's disproportionately upset about being discovered. Like, what the yeah, fuck do you care? Yeah, she threw, like, a mini tantrum yeah. before that scene cut away. And I was like, there's no reason to be so upset. He was... said he would call you a cat. That's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. But was that... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty nice of him. It's the bar for West. If we get yeah. interrupted, just it, call it, me a cat. We're cool. <laughs> As long as I don't have to do it myself. <laughs> See, I thought she over. got upset because he was going to call her a cab and not turn Val Kilmer away. Like, mm-hmm. I, that's what I took from it, was that he was choosing to she spend was, time with she him. She was really itching for that Jerry dick, is what she you're saying. She was. But she didn't want any, she didn't even want a slice of Val Kilmer. That, do, that doesn't make 
That doesn't track. Not even. Uh-huh. Not even. That doesn't track for not me. Not even enough to put in the vending machine. Yeah, no, not enough. Yes. Yeah. No. And I thought I thought that liquid nitrogen Cohen thing was like the coolest thing in this movie. That was awesome. It was, was real dry ice. That was pretty neat. Although the noise that happened when he was trying to cut it, like that little. The, yeah, that, oh, there were that some, was awful. There were some terrible bites of audio in this movie that really did hurt my little ears. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, so another thing that was formative for me about this movie is also Val Kilmer's aversion to authority and just the level 11 smartassness that mm-hmm. he has. Because I, in some ways, am constantly living my life in a way to amuse at least myself. And if possible, the people who are around me. Sometimes I will amuse myself at the expense of the people who are around me. <laughs> I do that constantly. Right? I don't mean to a lot of the times, but I do that a lot. But that is Val Kilmer's running shtick in this movie, which I love 100%. I feel like, in retrospect, this is Iron Man the college years, almost. Mm-hmm. Like This is what Tony Stark was doing before he ended up in uh, whatever... The war country. Yeah, whatever Middle Eastern country he got kidnapped in. I'd like to address the apple scene where I think it was during one of the montages and he puts like an apple on the teacher's desk. Yeah, it's and, after like, the final. After yeah. the after final, he the and final. he's like, I ace this, and then the teacher throws it away, and the apple explodes. That scared the fuck out that, of me. That, I think, is technically considered an act of terrorism I think it is on his well. part. And that's what I love so much about the pranks in this movie, is they do borderline on illegal harassment right or terrorism. Right but you've got to walk that line. When you're Val Kilmer. <laughs> Did you notice when Val Kilmer's on his way out of the scene after dropping off the apple, he puts his fingers in his ears? I didn't notice that. That is such a yep. nice little detail. He puts the apple down and then he plugs up his ears mm. on his way out of the room. <laughs> That's a good detail. Do we want to talk about Jesus and the ear? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Oh, yes, where uh-huh. they put the little the transmitter in his braces. Is For that Kent? just... Did they ever take that out, or is that just going to stay there until he has his brain? I mean, they off? can just access that whenever they would like <laughs> oh, to. Oh, that's perfect. I guess that's the only reason Kent had braces. Was to, was to, was to act that. as a, yeah. that fit in with the whole thing. Kent mm-hmm. is, in terms of appearance, is the biggest nerd in this movie. Oh, absolutely. But he's also the biggest asshole in the movie. But he's got mm-hmm. the Coke bottle glasses. Mm-hmm. He's got the braces. He's got the braces. He's got, I believe at the end, he's wearing a faux turtleneck. Mm-hmm. If you notice that. Oh, it's like a cut-off little bib thing for some reason? Yeah, because you talk that... It's because that that gives you the turtleneck, but you don't have to wear the full turtleneck. You just tuck that into the shirt. He just lets it all hang out. But it came out out at that point because he was in a popcorn avalanche. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And I... I'm wondering what's going to happen to him, like, mentally, because he was reading those books about schizophrenia. (laughs) (laughs) And he thought he was losing his mind. And honestly, he had it coming. That guy was such a dick. He did. But, like, (laughs) that poor kid is going to live with that all his life. He's going to be like, Jesus talked to me and he told me not to touch myself. Jesus talked to me for one week. Oh, God. And then he never talked to me again. So I guess God has turned his back on me my, and he... my favorite jokes are the subtle jokes like that where he's just reading about books about schizophrenia and like you don't have somebody up and come up and point it out and no. be like hey man why are you reading books about schizophrenia it's just like it's, just... it's there in the background mm-hmm. so like you can catch it or you can not catch it mm-hmm. and if you catch it then it's funny but if you and don't catch it 
whatever, you know. I just realized he makes that um, comment at the beginning of the movie when he's talking to Mitch. Not Mitch. When he's talking to... No, he's talking to Mitch because it goes from me to, 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 to God to Jerry to me. To me. Yes, exactly. And then he cuts out the middleman yeah, and it goes, goes straight from God, God to, to him. To That's Ken. probably where they got the idea oh, from. Oh, nice. I get it now. This movie is so wow. deep. All these connections. So layers to this film. I truly enjoyed it a lot. I think the the science that they do in this movie, the depiction of it, isn't as bad as a lot of science depictions that you get in movies where like people are doing science because like it's a lot of incremental improvements on stuff where they blow something up and it just doesn't get the result that they want from blowing it up Mm -hmm. in the right way so they're still they're blowing something up and you can't see any difference between one and the next but on the test that they get then it comes out that way. They also had, they used a bunch of real lasers in the filming of the movie, but it was difficult to do because you can't actually see lasers when they're moving the away camera. from your eye. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they were talking about they could see the lasers with the human eye, but it wouldn't pick up on the camera at all. So they spend a bunch of time trying to figure out how to get literally smoke and mirrors in the room to like, saturate the color of the lasers so that it would come up or else they would have used some great special effects that nobody would have ever yeah, exist. and that would have yeah. been a loss. They did a lot of things for this movie that I'm surprised at the innovation for it, like the popcorn scene at the end. They had a machine solely, its sole purpose was for popping popcorn. Right. Mm-hmm. And it took like two weeks for them to pop enough popcorn oh, to fill this Victorian I house with. I got three months for it. Oh, is it three months? Yeah, I so three months. And so they, so yeah, at the end of the movie, they build this laser and it gets immediately stolen and put onto a plane so that Jerry who's also the weirdest Mr. Wizard that you can imagine because he also has a science show that apparently is huge because little old ladies love it and oh, stop yeah. him when he's out he's in like public. He's like a little celebrity. Yeah. yeah, which is a great bit at the beginning. You were talking earlier about how much you love slash hate Jerry Hathaway. I do. Because, I mean, that level of arrogance is kind of appealing because that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of consistent among a lot of the characters, at least both Val Kilmer and William Atherton, who plays Jerry Hathaway. They're both just as arrogant as oh, yeah. each other are. Mm-hmm. It's just that Chris amuses himself with other people and yeah. Jerry just derides them and pushes them yes. away. Yes, they're cut from the same cloth. His douchery kind of comes from a place of discontent mm-hmm. and wanting to be really mean to other people for his own gain. But Chris usually keeps it just for the people who are acting very uncool to him. Right. One yeah. of my favorite Jerry moments, though, is when he's wearing the makeup for the show, and a kid points that out, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm wearing makeup." Yeah. Of what of it? TV yeah. man. I'm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the sass that he gives, that, the look, and I'm like, yes, Jerry, you own that makeup. That whole speech before that too, where to Mitch, where he's like, like I don't, I didn't think I should have brought a 15 year old on here. Maybe mm-hmm. I was wrong. Like, yeah, you probably were. Like, mm-hmm. not within the form of the movie, it's gonna be okay. But I mean. This is a 15-year-old among, like, 19 to 24-year-olds. It's not a good call. Speaking of age, for the role of Mitch, they were actually going to get an actual genius child who was 14 to play Mitch. Mm. I'm not going to say his name because I'm about to diss this kid. Oh, fuck. But they didn't 
hire him because he couldn't act for shit. I bet well, fucking not. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, gonna be a kid genius, there's some things that you're gonna be willing to give up, and I guess that would be your acting prowess. There's only mm-hmm. so many things that, that you can be, one person yeah. can do. You can't excel at everything. Oh, then you're gonna yes. have a target on your back. <laughs> so they immediately, the government, or not the government, but the government slash this weapons manufacturer immediately steals it, loads it onto a plane so that they can test it. The test incidentally, that they're going to shoot at is assembled to look like the Kennedy motorcade that happened during the Kennedy assassination. So there's a nerd heist where they sneak on the plane and change out, do a bunch of sciencey shit mm-hmm. and hijack it. So instead of lasing the the Kennedy dummy, mm-hmm. it lases Jerry's house that they've turned into a giant Jiffy Pop thing. When Kent went into that house, I thought he was going to die. I thought they were going to blow know. up Kent. He and was... everyone was begging him not to go in the house, but nobody actually went to physically stop him from going Because it's still Kent. I mean, at the end of the day, fuck that guy. I'm not going to risk my life for that fucker. But when he survives and he doesn't die like they all thought he was going to do, they all seem to be friends with him again. They really let it go. He is rapturous during the lazing. Like, he is 100% sure he's about to get... It's like his arm straight behind his back with his hands. That was such a weird weird choice. Because as soon as I watched that, I did it, and I was like, why would I... As as an actor, why is this what I would do? I don't think it is. (laughs) What would you do if God talked to you and... You know, decided what? to pop a bunch of popcorn. What's a good you. point? What's the thing where God's supposed to take like most of the population? That is the rapture. A rapture. That is rapture. Like he's he's a hundred percent sure he's, he's about raptured. to get raptured. Yeah, before anyone else, yeah. by himself in his professor's I house. Mean, maybe he's the one. Maybe it's you know like the Puritans did, where there's like 144 people that are making it yeah. in, and regardless of what they do, we don't know which ones are going to be. And it's going to be Kent. It's going to be Kent. It's going to be assholes Kent like is, So there's 143 and Kent. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they uh, fill his house with popcorn because Jerry Hathaway hates popcorn mm-hmm. with a passion. Which, Which is they... foreshadowed mm-hmm. at the beginning. Again, yeah. another great bit at the beginning where he is offered popcorn by Chris Knight. He's like, I hate popcorn. Mm-hmm. And so as opposed to doing anything with it, he just drops, drops it, it on, on his porch. I now I know what to get you for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, I love throwaway jokes. Like mm-hmm. jokes that they, they don't point out where he's just like, yeah. all right, bunk like, <laughs> he wants inside. He's just a different... But he does listen to him when he says to take the shoes take off. Take shoes off. Yeah. Shoes. Right. So I think Mitch just kind of, he listens to the rules that he wants to listen to. Right. He really does play by his own. And so they built two sets for Jerry's house. There's mm-hmm. the one that's the exterior, and then there's the one that's the interior. And they had to do popcorny shit with both of them. Mm-hmm. Because for the exterior one, they Rube Goldberged a bunch of stuff inside the house mm-hmm. to break it apart and bunch yeah. and push a bunch of stuff out of the out of the various house orifices. Mm-hmm. And then for the internal set, they basically built a giant air popper underneath the set using sheet metal and propane torches. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they had a bunch of other popcorn that was donated so that they could do it all at the same time. So they had to make two giant popcorn machines. They did it at the same time? Well, not at the... They had to push it out in uh-huh. each instance. So they yes. didn't. They filmed them separately. I was going to say, there was an episode of Mythbusters where they tried to do the popcorn thing to bring down the house... And they could not do it. Uh, I can tell you right here, right now, you can't bring down a house with popcorn. But 
you can make popcorn with a laser. They prove that you can make you popcorn can with a laser. You can at least do oh, that's that. That's cool. Oh, the yes. one factual thing we can walk away from with this movie, movie is you can make popcorn with a laser if you have access to a laser. Something about cyanide boron something, lasers. Something, something, laser popcorn. Chemi- chemicals. Much. Yeah. Lasers. Science, science. And they had to treat the popcorn for the external one Mm -hmm. with flame retardant Mm -hmm. because its popcorn is extremely flammable. Absolutely. And they were popping it, and Mm -hmm. it's like little tiny pieces of drywall. Yeah, didn't want to set everything up there. They were trying to keep the birds away. They had had to keep the birds away because it would kill birds because of the fire retardant. Which made me very, very sad. I also, whenever I watch a movie that has a dog in it, like this one had that nice little Marmaduke in there that he kept shooing away. That Professor Jerry always bums me out because. The dogs don't really know what they're even doing there. They just know somebody called them to come across the stage, and right. now this guy is yelling at them, and somebody behind the camera is probably and the shooing them. Like, well, what the hell is this? The so you want man? me to just walk? The- okay, no, I'll walk back. Fine. <laughs> Bums me out, man. That's such dogs a good dog. Know. Good Love dog. that dog. So, West, this movie has a secret link to a favorite thing of yours. The woman Please who don't. plays Jordan, uh-huh. Michelle Myrink, was also in the film version of The Outsiders. Which character was she? I have no idea. Hold on, I'm I just about to know look it's this a up. Thing that she, um, Let's see, Jordan, Michelle. she was also the inspiration for an animated TV show called Chip and Dale, and she was the lady chipmunk for Gadget. Gadget. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which I also watched. Never tracked that one from thing to thing. Oh, she was also in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, was she in Revenge of the Nerds? Wow. She, she played, played Judy. 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 Okay. Judy. <laughs> I was going to say and she's a Virgo. How nice. I'm she not... was in a bunch of things. I have never seen Valley Girl. Oh, she was Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. I love The Outsiders. Yep. She was, in, she was also in Valley Girl, which was also directed by the same director. And the main character in Valley Girl, who falls in love with Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. is the hookup from, yeah, the six-inch the, spike girl, uh-huh. is mm-hmm. the main character in Valley Girl. God, a lot of ties in this movie. A lot of connections we're making here that I didn't know about. She did a bunch That's of pretty stuff. impressive. And the guy, have you, have either of you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? Of oh, course. Have Absolutely. I seen Absolutely. It. Absolutely do you, seen that one. Do you realize that Laszlo would one day grow up to be Uncle Rico? That's where. Okay. I knew he looked so familiar. I couldn't place it. I thought he looked like a little bit like Keanu Reeves mixed with Russell Brand. With less hair? With, 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 well, with Russell Brand hair. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But I, I just kept looking at him. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? That's where it is. Yes, he's Uncle Rico. Rico. I'm glad to know that all of these actors ended up doing pretty well. Well, I'm not fair. all of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like the female no, actors kind of, of did. flamed out. But that's, yeah. that's always the thing that I find about 80s movies is especially the way the way everybody looks. You just mm-hmm. look around and you're like, none of this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like the swimsuits... The hair, the clothes. There's not a lot of upward mobility for the female actresses in some of these movies. No. I would like to mention, during that party scene... Oh, with the beauticians and all that. I get why they're wearing makeup to a pool party, because they're beauticians. Mm-hmm. Why were they wearing high heels in their swimsuits? Because they had to look sexy. Because they're bimbos. Because they're just <laughs> a bunch of... Their whole, their whole purpose not... is just to be sexy around all these nerds. Right. If you've ever been in heels... And I don't know if this is just me, but I'm very uncoordinated in heels, and I'm very uncoordinated around water. 
So I feel like that's just a recipe it for does disaster. Seem dangerous. They probably did have paramedics on site <laughs> in case anything did go awry. But that reminds me while I was looking up information on this movie on the IMDb page, sometimes they put keywords for these movies. And so you can look up specific keywords like nerd, quirky, sabotage, genius. Bimbo. Laser bimbo. Woman wearing a gas mask was apparently one keyword for it. So if you are looking for a specific movie where a woman wears a gas mask, it's real genius. Well, now Just I in know. case you need to know. And also bare-chested man. Rule, rule 43 in effect right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If it exists, it's in real genius. I'm glad to know that. They really do have something for everybody in this movie. Everybody's right? specific mm -hmm. fetish. Woman wearing if a gas mask. It. Did you want to talk about anything else in relation to Jordan? Because you said you had some other... She knitted a very nice sweater. I just she knitted a beautiful it. sweater. It was and a she has sweater. absolutely no idea how to react to social cues. She was so sweet. She was charming. She was yeah. very yeah. charming. Another Easter egg in the movie is the DEI initials. Apparently, I believe this started with Caltech, or it seems like it started with Caltech, where there's a competition to get the initials DEI featured in the most prominent way possible. So they had been emblazoned on the peak of Mount Everest. Apparently they're on the moon. And there are a couple of different businesses in this movie, notably the delivery truck they dropped the popcorn off in and the company that Val Kilmer is mm -hmm, interviewing mm -hmm. for that have the initials DEI. It's rumored to have been put on the moon by somebody at one point. I mean, I mean, there's only so many people who could have put it up there. But... There's something on the moon that has the mm -hmm. initials DEI on and it. And I think because if you nerds. get it on the moon, then you do win. That's it. Right? You shouldn't That's, have to well, you shouldn't have to try anymore. Mars. I mean, for They're all I know, more, it could have I been guess. on one of the satellites that they launched into the... That's true. It, off into the scary inkiness of space. There's another thing I want to point out. So the Fritos contest that Laszlo entered over a million times in, that actually happened. But with McDonald's by, um, I think, another group of Caltech students. It was. It was three different students who all together won a car. Uh -huh. It was 20% of the prizes that yeah. they were offering, and it was a car, and they were disappointed by the car. I Apparently, mean, it's a McDonald's car. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want from it? That's why we can't have nice things. And they, they entered exactly 1.2 million times do you think to that, win that car. Is there anything in place? What would the postage on that be? Yeah. Is there mm -hmm. anything in place now to prevent people from doing that? Yes. People don't put, you can enter as many times as you want anymore uh -huh. because of that situation. Yeah. They've learned their lesson mm -hmm. from that. Because I was going to say, if that's it and the system isn't, you know, mm -hmm. rigged anymore, I would totally. I think get a lot of them say, like, limited entry per person now. Uh. Mm -hmm. Damn it, real genius. Damn Ruin it, real it for genius. us. <laughs> While I like this movie and still find it entertaining, I think in retrospect it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I can I can take the aspects of as a formative piece, the little bits that I can pull out of it in terms of idolizing Val Kilmer's cheekiness and developing a further proclivity for short haired brunette nerd girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As an overall formative piece, I think it's okay. Yeah. Like I don't think it had as much of an effect and I personally don't necessarily think it's that enduring necessarily like it's not necessarily essential mm -hmm. what do you guys think I think it because reading reviews on this movie it does seem pretty split down the middle there are some people who thought that it was a wonderful piece of cinema and a lot of people who thought that it was just kind of obnoxious and unnecessary for the most part and I can see both sides of it I had a great time watching the movie I thought that it was silly I thought it was fun 
But I also thought that there was a lot of just filler in it to make it a feature length film. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see that movies today still do that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But this one kind of did get boring in a couple of parts. They could have filled it with something more exciting, more plot driving, and they just kind of let it fall flat in some parts. But, you know, Val Kilmer, he's in it. And that's great. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I think this movie made me feel smart until it didn't make me feel smart. <laughs> like, I would catch up on, on some, like, witty banner, and I'm like, oh, fuck you, Kent. But then I'm like, <laughs> they're talking about the laser signs, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what's happening right now, but I'm going to pretend I do for the sake of my intelligence. For my ego, for I'm going to pretend I know what they're talking I'm gonna about. I'm going to be like, ah, yes, they put the quadrants and the six and the seven. And, and, and they did it so damn good. They did it so well, and look at that laser go oh it fucked up i mean uh, look how you fucked up with that oh wow gosh. Oh, didn't anyone ever tell you to make sure your shit is clean, clean your optics clean your you optics don't, you don't put oil on it with your fingers unbelievable and, uh, you idiot i would have known what to do in this situation <laughs> you fucking fool <laughs> exactly yeah i feel like in a lot of geeky movies where it's a lot of science stuff involved i know that there are people who try to keep it as accurate as possible but mm-hmm. while i was watching this movie i couldn't help but think that they were just making up all of the shit that they were talking about just making up words I for think, it i think they were legit yeah i think a lot of it's at least was partially it based See, in science i mean that, i don't know I, anything about lasers you still can't <laughs> yeah. I, I believe they still have not generated a five kilowatt whatever insane and, amount of energy they're talking lot? about i was thinking about it. i was like i, I have so. some i have they were it's it hotter than the sun five apparently megawatts five uh, megawatts was, yep. and i was like well i have a 10 megawatt light bulb so like quit is think, it that strong? I don't think that's the same. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> not. It sounds the same, so it must is it, be. Is it hotter than the sun? Mm-hmm. Um, she has just a really hot light bulb. Oh, I mean, you, you leave it on all day. Touch it. Touch it. <laughs> Tell me how it feels. It's hot, right? It's like, yeah, poke it's it. Hot. Like, oh, yeah, that's the sun right there. Right. All I'm saying, it's hot. <laughs> Who does this produce? If this is formative. It produces a lot of Chris Knights, I think. I think if somebody who Mm -hmm. knew at the time, August 7th, 1985, when this movie was released, uh, the same day that Barbara Streisand records her 24th album, the Broadway album, if they do watch this movie, they're going to think, wow, I can also be an asshole and get away Mm -hmm. with it because I'm so fucking smart. Is that a good model? Because, like we said, that Jerry Hathaway and Chris Knight are cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. Is Chris Knight a good model for smart people? It gives them some personality (laughs) that I think people could um, maybe enjoy if you're on the right side of all the pranks that they end up inevitably pulling. But if you're the victim of the pranks, then it's probably not going to be the best person to be Mm -hmm. around. But he didn't, I mean, the biggest victim of Chris Knight's pranks was people's focus. Because mm-hmm. really what he was doing up until the point when Kent was the focus mm-hmm. of his energy was just fucking people up. I see. Mm-hmm. I think Freezing hallways, stuff like that. People like Chris Knight, to be around them is fun for like an hour. But then if you want to focus and you actually want to do shit, you're like, okay, I get your fun. Mm-hmm. Go away now. I think mm-hmm. just the way this movie frames the character is to make him an endearing character. Right. Like, you you realize watching it, yeah, he's a dick. He's doing things that you shouldn't do to people. Mm-hmm. It is wrong. But you love him anyways because he's so funny and carefree and people really admire that in a character, especially in an archetype that's supposed to be, like, nerdy and stuffy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that can inspire 
a lot of nerds if they watch this movie. It can inspire them, but it can also turn them into a Kent per se. Who thinks and it's so dangerous? Like it's so dangerous. It's mm-hmm. a fine, fine line to walk. I think that we should put in work to make this a Tony Stark origin story. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that yeah. should be canon. Tie it in. That this is that Chris Knight is a secret, secret Stark. Iron Man prequel. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's fine. It's a good comedy. Mm-hmm. It's got some good bits to it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Looking back on it as something completely formative, as a parting shot, what do you think? I was thinking while I was watching it, I was thinking over this question. I don't think nowadays, if it were to be released in 2020, that it would hold up in any way. Because the crazy nerd archetype has become so normal. Like mm-hmm. there, I don't think there have been a ton of movies released lately who have hit like that. But I think people wouldn't be entirely on board with this movie just because we have so many advancements in what is funny now that all of this stuff, like as I was watching it, doesn't really make any sense now. And yet how yeah. long was the Big Bang Theory on the air? Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would like to, I would like to rescind that statement. Yeah. People love the Big Bang. My grandma, I don't, bless her I don't, heart, But I don't think the Big it. Bang Theory was necessarily as witty as this movie is. Yeah. Like the Big it, Bang Theory was a lot broader it, it does have a movie. massive appeal I could to see it. it having an inspiration with this movie and like weird science and all mm-hmm. of that. I could see that all being I think an inspiration. It could for still Big be Bang. considered, if it was released today, a cult movie. It mm-hmm. would probably garnish a cult following the way that it did in 1985. See, Just because it would resonate uh-huh. with such a small sect of people. Like a specific type of person would probably love this movie. And consider it one of their all-time favorites. I think it would go under the radar nowadays because lately it's always been about sequels and reboots. So if it came out as an original movie, it probably wouldn't have done very Mm -hmm. well. Comedy is rough for movies these days. Comedy is in modern times is a lot more conducive to episodic content Mm -hmm. as opposed to a movie. Like just one single movie. yeah. Yeah, something like Silicon Valley. Or, which mm-hmm. I haven't watched, but I've heard great things about. I do about. think, yeah, I think this movie would probably be a lot more popular if it did come out as a television series nowadays, because mm-hmm. there would be a lot of potential for that mm-hmm. now right. as a television series. But in the 80s, it did kind of need to be a movie, because nobody was going to watch. Right, yeah, because the yeah. comedy was completely different yeah. than done. And it TV all, it it all mattered that it was in that like hour and a half. All right, so it's all right. That's I, I it's think pretty that's the, okay. That's the final. That's the you final verdict but for hopefully ryan reynolds we owe something to this movie for having ryan reynolds in the late aughts early 20s because that mm. man is a national treasure for canada oh, he's, he's america's God. sweetheart completely on board with ryan reynolds so thank you for listening that completes our real genius episode of late to the party you're now at the party too as always find us on facebook or subscribe to this podcast wherever you found it this time. Good job on doing that. And we will see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.